This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. We saw Bitcoin lunging towards 900,000 in the last few days, and Ethereum broke 30,000, actually past the price of gold per ounce. Of course, these have dropped now quite substantially in the last day. But altcoins, which are those coins which are not Bitcoin, also have made similar wild gains and then losses as well. Prices retreated about 20% in the last few days. But the question we're trying to answer is whether crypto prices have run too hard and too fast and whether we should have expected a drop in prices such as we've seen in the last few days. And who better to help us sort this out but Richard D'Souza, who's the founder and CEO of Crypto Exchange, Altcoin Trader. Welcome, Richard. Now, we've had you here before about a month ago and you predicted Bitcoin at a million rand. And last week, it looked like we were absolutely on track for that. Okay, so the question now is, are we still on track, even though we've had this drop to, to hit a million rand for Bitcoin? Ah, good morning, Karen. Thanks very much for having me on the show once again. And absolutely, you know, market corrections and pullbacks in the market are perfectly natural and normal in a bull market. Of course, at some stage, you've got to always start to ask, is this the end of the bull market? But I certainly don't think that that's the case. We've still got so many fundamentals that are playing in the favor of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. So I cannot see that this is the end of the Bitcoin bull run. What I think is going to happen is we will see these corrections two, three, four, possibly more times before we actually start ending this Bitcoin bull run. But Bitcoin on track for a million? Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind that we are going to see a million. And of course, when we get to a new all-time high, which we've had only a couple of days ago, that invalidates anyone that has said that they've lost money in Bitcoin, because obviously at an all-time high, everyone is in a positive position. Yeah, of course, whenever you have a drop like this, a 20% drop, you know, everyone says, well, I told you so, you know, this is a bubble that's going to crack. But of course, this is nothing. If you go back to 2017, December 2017, you had that fantastic run up then. But Bitcoin actually dropped 84% after that, and then started this recovery from about the middle of 2019. So you've got to expect extreme volatility with cryptos. Absolutely. After the December 2017 dip, it was a brutal, brutal bear market and it shook a lot of people out of cryptocurrency, as you correctly say. But if you look out, if you zoom out on the charts, we can see that Bitcoin is just going up. You know, we've come to expect two to three hundred percent increases in crypto every single year. And that is what is happening. So when in doubt, zoom out, focus on the bigger picture and you'll see that we are still set for huge gains in cryptocurrency in general. I think it's worth noting that there's a lot of people who actually have a, a trading strategy. I was just researching this in the last few days. When Bitcoin drops 10%, they buy. When it drops 20%, they buy some more. When it drops 30%, they, drive, they buy some more. That has proven to be extremely successful as a trading strategy. Absolutely. Buying the dip is always a very good strategy. But what typically happens is a lot of people are all in in Bitcoin and they don't have funds to buy the dip. So in those situations, you can start taking loans and leveraging your position buying the dip. That becomes a little bit more of a risky strategy. But, you know, buying the dip, of course, is something that we've seen over and over in crypto and people making massive gains. A lot of people that are new to the space that buy high and panic and sell low because they want to minimize their losses. They are the real losers in this scenario. The real strategy that you're suggesting there is to, to have some ammunition when, you, when these drops come use some of that cash that you've saved up to invest and, and don't go all in at one time. You know, it's such a conundrum. It's such a difficult thing to think because when you're seeing 40% increases, it is our natural 
response to go all in. So it's very hard to simply say, have some cash on the side. So I found that a lot of people, when they get this FOMO and when we see this euphoria, have no cash on the side because it is just gaining at such momentum. And if you are not able to do that, then you can leverage your position by taking a DeFi loan. But if you are disciplined and you are able to do that, you know, it's also a calculating game. Are you uh, missing out on those gains by having some cash on the side or does it put you in a position where you can buy the dip and actually increase your portfolio? At the end of the day, it's not about accumulating more rands. It's about improving or increasing your position in cryptocurrency. Right. You use the term there called FOMO, which is fear of missing out, right? Absolutely. And, yes. and this, of course, is a huge disease in the crypto space. People think that they see the market running up 40% as has happened in a week and they feel they've missed out. And so then they start buying the tops of the markets. And this, of course, is something that has happened to a lot of people in the last week or month. Of course. Um, and that typically happens to newcomers to the space. Once you've got a bit of experience with crypto and you sort of understand the volatility and you know the swings that are going to take place, you're prepared for it. But if you're new to this industry and you're new to cryptocurrency, of course, FOMO, fear of missing out, kicks in when Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency has had a massive, massive run up. And that's when a lot of people get in. Now, this is very negative for crypto because typically what happens is that in the days that follow that, we see massive drawbacks or corrections. And a lot of people that are new to this will just sell. And that then leaves them with a bad taste in their mouth thinking, I'm not going to touch this cryptocurrency again. Let's talk about some of these smaller altcoins. You on your YouTube channel, you've been talking about Cardano, you've been talking about Ethereum, you've been talking about Polkadot, and you've been talking about Chainlink. Just give us a little bit of background on that. And these are coins, by the way, which have, as astonishing as Bitcoin's run-up has been, these have surpassed that. I mean, Chainlink and Cardano up more than 500% in two months. It has dropped a little bit now back. It's probably about between 350 and 400 in the last couple of days. But the fact is, these are really astonishing runs in these smaller coins. So what is the story behind, let's say, Cardano and Chainlink? You know, Kieran, I believe that decentralized finance and the alternative financial system is going to change the way that we deal with money. That is something that we will never look back. Pandora's box has been opened with decentralized finance, and we can expect this to be a trend that's going to continue for many, many years, if not forever. Now, coins like Cardano or ADA are very well thought out coins that will facilitate smart contracts and decentralized finance. Cardano has never really gotten to the point where it has been able. So basically, it hasn't launched in its full glory, if we could put it that way. So Charles Hoskinson, the founder of Cardano, is a very meticulous individual. And he doesn't subscribe to the, you know, the old thing that says, move fast and break things. You know, similar to what Ethereum would uh, would do. They are meticulous. They review every single piece of code that they write. They have it um, vetted and they move slowly, knowing that when the ecosystem comes to market, it is going to work very, very well. So, in other words, we're waiting for the potential of Cardano to be unleashed. But when it does, it is going to be an extremely useful ecosystem. And this is going to, of course, push the price of Cardano up and it is a long-term very very solid product and a pro project and that is why i'm so bullish on cardano i believe that this is a coin that you can buy and hold and you will see massive returns in the future 
Right, and give us a little bit of the story behind uh, Polkadot. Now, Alcorn Trader doesn't offer Polkadot just yet, but that is coming. Is that right? Absolutely. That is probably going to be the next coin that is launched on our system, and we're looking at about two to three weeks before that launches. So very soon you'll have you'll be able to get Polkadot on Altcoin Trader. Right. Now, Polkadot and Cardano were both started by individuals who were originally with Ethereum, if I'm correct. Yeah, 100% So, so Polkadot correct, yes. has got a slightly different story. Tell us about that. Well, Polkadot, once again, is also not 100% operational at this stage. You're quite right. It was um, Vitalik Buterin, Charles Hoskinson, and Gavin that started Ethereum initially. Now, of course, Gavin Wood has gone and started Polkadot. Gavin and Charles went and started their own projects with the aim of fulfilling the promises that Ethereum never did. So obviously they are well-versed, they're very you know, knowledgeable about the space, and we can expect to see really, really good projects coming from them. So obviously because they left Ethereum, they've had a slower start than Ethereum, but when the projects launch, we're going to see big things. So Polkadot, a lot of people very, very bullish. Also interesting to note that both Cardano and Polkadot are in the top 10 on coin market cap. So these are certainly huge projects that we can expect big things from in the future. And I think maybe just to explain, when we're talking about decentralized finance, we are talking about an entirely new financial system built around cryptos. So there's a battle going on between Ethereum and Cardano and Polkadot. And some other ones. It's not clear who's going to win this battle at this at this moment. But when you're talking about Cardano, that could be the currency of the future or one of the currencies that become very, very substantial. Almost, you know, rivaling, let's say, the Rand or some of these other currencies that we've become very used to. Maybe just explain how that's likely to roll out. Okay, you're quite right that they are all battling for supremacy in the DeFi space. And I'd just like to add on two more coins to that list, which I'm also, you know, watching very carefully. And I'm seeing really exciting DeFi potential with these coins. And that, of course, is Tron or TRX and the Binance chain you know, where you'll use BNB. So those projects... BNB being the, uh, the, the token. The BNB being the token, which would f- essentially fulfill the same role as Ethereum. The, the currency the, on the Binance. On the Binance, on the Binance smart chain. So, you know, recently we've seen things like PancakeSwap, which would be a sort of the parallel of Uniswap on the Binance chain, really absolutely blowing the market away. I think it was last week that we had um, PancakeSwap actually for a single day surpassing the daily volume of Uniswap, which is absolutely unheard of. And we've seen Binance coin, you know, going on an absolute tear, thousands or hundreds of percent in the last month. So Tron, Binance chain, uh, Cardano, um, Ethereum, and I've missed one. That what about Uniswap? Well, well, Uniswap is essentially on the Ethereum network. So, right. you know, so it's we would categorize it under Ethereum. But, but you can actually buy Uniswap tokens. You can buy Uniswap tokens, but they are ERC20 tokens, which are on the Ethereum network. So, you know, I'd, I'd lump that into the same category as Ethereum. It's part of the decentralized finance or at least the decentralized exchange set up on the Ethereum network. But those projects, I believe, are projects to watch and projects that, you know, are really good for investment in the near and long term future. And you personally, are you investing in these? Well, you know, I do invest personally in them, but also, of course, for altcoin trader, you know, we need to invest our clients' funds. So we sometimes look at investing in those from a company perspective. And these are, as I say, we've seen tremendous returns uh, on those 
uh, coins. What do you make of Elon Musk's recent decision to invest one and a half billion dollars into Bitcoin? There's been a lot of discussion and criticism of that, given the risk. And what's happened in the last few days with this big, you know, drop in in Bitcoin? You know, maybe he's uh, he's backpedaling a little bit. I, I don't think he will. Uh, you know, I think he fully understands the risk. But what, what's your take on this? Are we going to see more companies putting treasury funds into Bitcoin? And even Ethereum is being discussed as a possibility now. Look, I think that it's inevitable that companies will start um, putting treasury funds into cryptocurrency. We know that this started with Michael Saylor actually tweeting Elon Musk and encouraging him from one rocket scientist to another. Michael Saylor being the, the head of MicroStrategy, right? Correct, yes. Michael Saylor also three or four weeks ago had a massive conference with over 500 CEOs and he was encouraging people to move. There's actually 7,000. Oh, oh. 7,000 people came. (laughs) He was expecting 2,000. 7,000 came. But anyway, he was, um, you know, Michael Saylor always saying that uh, having dollars on your balance sheet is like watching ice melt because the value is uh, vanishing every day as the Fed print more and more money. Whereas with Bitcoin, of course, it's a deflationary currency and you're seeing that value, you know, increase. Of course, there's a lot of articles around um, Elon Musk having purchased his $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin, having made more money than what he made by selling electric cars in 2020, which is a staggering, staggering, um, you know, statistic. Of course, a lot of those gains have been retracted, but for a couple of days, that was sort of, uh, you know, highlighted news, which just goes to show that the cryptocurrency market is insane. It is something that is taking the world by storm and we cannot ignore what we are seeing. We are seeing an evolution or a revolution in the financial space right before our eyes, History is being made as we watch it. What's also interesting about that MicroStrategy itself, that's Michael Saylor's company, they bought 700,000, a bit more than 700,000 Bitcoin over a a year or more. Their share price went up uh, 400% last year, based purely, it seems, on the value of that Bitcoin. So if you wanted an indirect way to buy into Bitcoin, you could buy MicroStrategy and to some extent Tesla, as you've just mentioned. Some of their price gains are are due precisely because of their Bitcoin investment. Absolutely. Um, And I think we touched on that before. But now we are seeing a very interesting sort of scenario play out. Tesla, you know, a lot of people thought that they would buy back a lot of their own shares. And that, of course, increases the price of the Tesla shares. But with them diversifying and buying cryptocurrency, same with micro strategies, instead of buying their own shares back to increase the price, they are now buying assets that you know, hold water and in my opinion are a lot more valuable. And this is having the effect of increasing their share price. So they essentially getting the best of both worlds. Instead of simply buying back their own share to increase their share price, they are buying an uncorrelated asset which is having the effect of increasing their share price. And I think that is um, sort of a trend that we're going to see happening more and more which of course speaks back to the fact that cryptocurrency and Bitcoins are going to cannibalize the traditional share market. Richard, I think people don't know something about you. I'm going to give out one of your secrets, right? (laughs) Sure, go right ahead. You used to be a security guard. For six years, you were a security guard, and then you got into the crypto space. Tell us your story. How did that happen? Well, Kieran, you know, when I came out of the army, um, 
it was really difficult to find a job. So, you know, like what most people do, you will take whatever job you can get. And in that situation, the only job that I was able to get was a security guard. And you're quite right when you say I actually was a security guard for six years. I then tried to, you know, I, I started many businesses and tried to diversify. You could really classify me as a serial entrepreneur. And then eventually I, I realized what cryptocurrency was going to do and how it was going to change and improve people's lives. And uh, that's why I find myself today. And what price did you start buying Bitcoin? You know, what was it? Uh, what was the value of Bitcoin? At that <laughs> you know, I started buying Bitcoin in 2012. So it was very cheap at that stage. I was managed it like to get, in the ten dollars. I managed to get a couple of Bitcoin at six dollars. Of course, I sold them after that. So you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs. But that was, you know, that was just over. Well, it's close to ten years ago. So right. I, I mean, that that is a phenomenon that happens. I think with a lot of the early adopters or something like this, they they bought in at incredibly low prices, and then of course, you know, you've told the story before when. When Bitcoin reached 10,000 Rand, you thought, my God, this is surely the top of the market. So you sold. And, of course, we saw last week it go to 880,000. And it does, as we've been saying, it's not likely to stop there either. There's, there's further steam in this bull market yet. Did you get to a point in your crypto career when you decided that this, this thing has topped out and uh, it's probably not going to go any higher? Well, I think what happens is that you, you see these massive increases and in what is potential profit. And then you see 80% pullbacks. And what you say to yourself is if it ever gets to that price again, I'm out. And of course, as we know, it can take years before it gets to that price again. So I don't think that it's a situation where you think it's hit a top. You just think that for now it is going to hit this price and it's going to pull back. And I think that is the catalyst that causes a lot of people to sell. That's certainly what happened to me. I believe that when it got to the sort of nine, between nine and 11,000 Rand mark, I thought it was going to pull back. And that's why I sold, as we know, over 90% of my Bitcoins. But of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we would have played very, very different games. You'd be a billionaire today. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay. And I think for people who are new to crypto, it's maybe worth pointing out what kind of pullbacks were you experiencing in that time? If you go back in history, a 70, 80% pullback in the Bitcoin prices is not unusual. No, it's not unusual. I remember clearly at one stage, Bitcoin was $1,100 per coin. And we had a pullback to sort of in the in the hundred dollars, hundred and eighty, hundred and fifty. I can't remember the exact figures, but it was something. It was close to that. And you know that those type of pullbacks took a very long time before we got back to the all-time highs. But if we look back, we've seen this pattern repeat at least four times. So we are in the fourth cycle, the fourth bull run of Bitcoin, and. It's not unlikely that we could see this happen again. And then you'll see a lot of people leaving the crypto space, not talking about crypto. But in four years' time, the hype will be back, the prices will be back, and they always seem to come back stronger and higher. Right. Okay. Bill, uh, Alcoin Trader recently introduced a product called Easy Save, which is a way to earn interest on cryptos. You can earn 4% on Bitcoin, 4.4% on Ethereum. That's per year and 7.3% on USD Tether, which is quite incredible considering this is a crypto version of the US dollar. And you can earn 10.4% on Tron. We were talking about Tron and altcoin, which has got great potential to earn 10% on, on a crypto that itself has doubled in price in, in, in the last few weeks. 
that's also pretty incredible. What's been the take-up of this uh, this EasySave product? Are people now starting? They call it staking in the crypto space. Okay, staking is where you allow your crypto your cryptocurrencies to be used in the the blockchain. So that's actually put to work, and you earn an interest rate. So staking is really interesting. How's that been going? What's the take-up like? We've actually seen a lot of people that really, really, um, you know, are very excited about the EasySafe product. We've seen a lot of investment into that. And just to give you an idea of how much investment, at this stage, well, when I last checked, which was two days ago, we were, we passed the 100 million rand mark, um, you know, in crypto, uh, worth of cryptos that were staked on our platform. And of course, this is something that is happening in cryptocurrency. We've passed the stage. There's a new paradigm in crypto. If you've got crypto and it's not working for you, a lot of people are factoring that into what they're buying. So in other words, if you're going to buy a coin that doesn't give you a passive income, it's sort of one of the check marks, one of the points that you want when you're buying a coin. You want to know what is my passive income? What is my dividend if you want to put it back into traditional share terms? So I think that we have passed the stage where you're just going to be holding crypto and not earning anything. And of course, you know, we have launched that EasySafe product and we're finding that it is really working well. And I don't think that this is a trend or this is something that we can expect to see ending. It is now in, it's in place and it will continue possibly indefinitely. Of course, this is one of the features of decentralized finance or DeFi that we've been talking about. And you can now borrow, you can lend, you can earn interest, you can do all sorts of things on the DeFi space. It's still very, very new. Not many people know how to do it. It's quite complicated to navigate. You've got to know how to use these decentralized platforms and so on. What do you think are the the big crypto and blockchain trends to look out for in 2021? Is it really the explosion of DeFi? And, and people need to understand maybe what, what do we mean by an explosion? Are we going to see people borrowing outside the banking system and lending outside the banking system? Look, I think with the explosion of DeFi and there was a certain amount of complexity. So DeFi really exploded um, a year ago and so many people were into it and it took off in a way that was phenomenal. But what happened is, of course, as we got more and more people into DeFi, we found that a lot of people were actually battling with the technology. They were not able to do what they needed to do. Compounding that with a huge Ethereum price and gas fees that are astronomical plus wait periods sort of has poured a lot of cold water onto DeFi. Now, one of the trends that I can foresee that is going to alleviate this problem is a centralized or a semi-centralized offering of the same services in the DeFi space. So in other words, we've seen something similar with the Binance chain. You know, it is a lot more centralized than Ethereum, but it is quick, it is efficient, and it is cheap. In addition to that, you, you've seen altcoin trader rolling out products like EasySafe, where people can simply go and stake without any of the complexities that they experienced in DeFi. And of course, in the very near future, we are going to be rolling out a product called Easy Loan, which is going to take the place of decentralized finance loans. So I think one of the big trends that we are going to see now, of course, before we see people returning to decentralized finance is a centralized or a semi-centralized hybrid of those services, which of course will submit what is, what is um, available in the DeFi space and people will then, you know, in a cycle or in a period return back to the truly decentralized um, services once they've got their head around it with the easy to use centralized versions of these uh, services. And of course, this is all services that um, are 
alternative financial solutions. So they're out of the traditional financial system, and I think those are the services that we're going to see being rolled out by multiple companies, including Altcoin Trader, in the year to come. How soon before you're going to launch your uh, your lending service? You know, and, to and give do you, you have uh, you know banking? Do you need to get banking license approvals or anything like that? Does that fall outside of that? Well, Kieran, as you know, we work with the Reserve Bank and the Financial Intelligence Center on a regular basis, but it is a crypto service. So it at this stage is unregulated. Uh, regulation will be rolled out in the uh, near future, and we've anticipated this for many years. But to answer your question directly, we are not lending rands. We are lending crypto. Now, of course, you can convert those crypto into rands and take you, uh, advantage of the loan by selling the crypto that you have borrowed. But it is not the same as lending rents. So we don't fall under the traditional banking loaning sector because we are lending out an asset that is at this stage still unregulated. But um, to go back to when we expect to roll out the service, of course, it is complex. You know, there's a lot of things that need to be taken into account and we have to plan it very, very carefully. So our development team and myself are very hard at work rolling this project out, making it easy to use and dotting all the I's and crossing the T's. So a time frame is going to be a bit of a stretch, but I would like to say it's coming out soon. It's going to be weeks, not months. Right. And I think one of the things about uh, lending on using crypto as your collateral is you don't have to go through the the whole credit assessment that you do that you have to do with the bank. You're lending in crypto. You've, you've got your collateral. It's all based on smart contracts. So you know exactly what to expect if your crypto price drops, I, I presume, rather like Uniswap or some of these other platforms, your collateral will get liquidated, your loan will get deducted, and you get the balance ba- uh, paid back to you. That, that is exactly what will happen. And of course, you're quite right. Uh, you know, you don't have to pre-qualify for a loan because the fact that it's, uh, you have collateral, that is your qualification. And then you have the freedom to take that loan and use it as you see fit, whether it's to leverage your position in cryptocurrency or to buy a car, to buy a house, whatever the case is. It is an alternative financial system. And of course, if the value of your crypto does drop below a certain threshold, your loan will get liquidated. It's important to know that you don't lose everything if your loan is liquidated. There's a liquidation fee. In our case, it's probably going to be 12%, which is the lowest on the market. And then you get the balance back. So it is going to be very, very exciting. And what it does is it opens the the gateway for business, for commerce, for people to have the ability to use their funds in a lot more productive way. So it's a kickstart to the crypto economy, if we want to put it that way. I mean, if you extend that and you look at what Tesla has just done with their one and a half billion investment into Bitcoin, they could do exactly the same thing. They could leverage that money. If they needed additional finance to open up a new factory or something like that, they could take that one and a half billion and borrow against it. Absolutely. And um, that is, you know, part of this dynamic. They can leverage the funds, use the funds while um, being also responsible. In other words, they put up the collateral for the funds so no one can lose other than themselves. So essentially, they would be backing themselves via a collateralized loan. Give us a sense of the adoption rate of cryptos in South Africa, particularly after this bull run that we've seen in the last few months. Are you seeing a new generation of crypto investors getting involved? Well, certainly, you know, in January, we had our third best month ever. So from 2015 till now, January of this year was our our third best month. We are seeing a lot of people come onto our platform. 
Um, we know that South Africa is reportedly or statistically one of the um, countries that is really involved in crypto. We have high adoption of cryptocurrency in South Africa, in Africa as a whole. As far as the exact figures go, you know, it's difficult to say. We're seeing an uptake. We're probably getting three times more clients signing up every month than we used to. So absolutely, we're excited about the space. And it appears that a lot of people out there in the community are also excited. Okay, for people who are new to crypto and they're nervous and all that kind of thing, give a suggestion on how they should get involved. Should they do it small? I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to put money that you're not prepared to lose. You're not going to throw at crypto. But how would they do that in a, in a fairly responsible way? How would they get involved? So that's a very good question. And a case in point is this recent crash that we've seen in the market, right? So if you're a trader, of course, this would have some bearing on your portfolio. But if you had to enter, and I'm going to touch on how to enter in a responsible way, but if you were rand cost averaging, in other words, taking a small amount of money that you could safely afford to invest in crypto, this drop in the market is absolutely irrelevant. Unless, of course, you plan to sell all your crypto for some weird reason. But the best way to get into cryptocurrency, if you are nervous and if you don't want to make massive losses, is, of course, to sign up, get an account on Altcoin Trader and determine a certain amount of money that you are going to invest in crypto every month. Now, that might be as small as 300 or 500 rand. Simply put it in. Buy your Bitcoin or the cryptocurrency of choice. As you know, we've got over 20 cryptocurrencies on our platform. And then just do that every single month. What we've seen historically is that crypto, Bitcoin grows at about 2 to 300%. Ethereum grows at 4 to 600% depending on the year. So this uh, historically would have outstripped any gains that you could have made in any other market. Now, of course, this is not financial advice and it is a highly speculative market. But looking back over the last couple of years, it is obviously the best play and the most responsible way for you to invest your money. Richard D'Souza, founder and CEO of Altcoin Trader. Thanks for coming in. Thanks very much for having me, Karen. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.